I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. You're very welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren. I'm your host this evening, and I'm joined by somebody who's really fascinated me for a number of years and how he's progressed in his photography journey. And it's somebody that I've known for a number of years as well. So welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast, Dylan Madden. Dylan, how are you getting on, man? I'm getting on great, Darren. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of what you do. Um, absolutely Cheers, delighted to be, uh, to be a guest on your show. So hello, everybody. Thanks very much for coming on, Dylan. You know, like I alluded to, you know, I know you a number of years. I mean, we worked together many years ago, and we'll probably get into that during the conversation as well. But, you know, you do something, I think, which is quite interesting with photography. And I figured, you know what, our listeners, I think, would really enjoy the story and learn more about what you do on a on a daily basis for, for a living, I suppose. So, you know, first and foremost, anyway, how are you getting on at the moment with this entire upside-down world? We're almost out of it now in the whole COVID lockdown, but how are you getting on? Yeah, I'm getting on grand. I have two young kids that keep me very busy and um, I've little bits of work trickling in here and there. So um, I can't complain. I, I have a nice house. I have a nice I have a nice situation going on here. The weather's getting better. So, you yeah. know, everybody's yeah. healthy. My mum and dad are doing well. So, yeah, listen, it's all good. Good, good. And, you know, I mean, before we go any further, just let people know who is Dylan Madden. I am a, a commercial photographer. Well, I start off as a as a commercial photographer. I my predominantly do uh, web development and uh, post production now. So when you say like post production, you do uh, retouching of images as well, yeah. I do retouching of images, yeah. So I I kind of specialize in um I do a lot of stuff portraiture stuff portraiture work mm-hmm. um a lot of fashion fashion editorials actually if anyone picks up a copy of image magazine this month there is an editorial that i did um post-production work on for barry mccall um very nice styled by sarah rickard and billy orr was the makeup artist it was a it was a cool job to work on so we were down in british bay we got lovely weather which is i've also Sorry, just, I'm a digi a digi op as well. So I'll be there in the day managing files, uh, doing a little bit of post production, a bit of color grading on them, so the client can see what's happening. So it's kind of like, um, you know, I'm not just doing the files as they come in. I'm actually there on the day a lot of the time anyway, because I work I work in house for Barry McCall. So sweet, um, sweet. Yeah, so it's a very interesting job. I get to meet loads of people, do loads of things, and then get to be really creative with color grades and you know just kind of adding different elements to shots and working along with other people that have been in the business for a long time as well which is really good it's a really good learning curve for someone that came Mm. out of college and didn't have that much of a notion about photography at the time but over the last seven years i've learned an awful lot i can tell you yeah for sure and i'm really looking forward to getting into nuts and bolts really of you know your day-to-day work because the output that i've seen i've really enjoyed like i say following along in your journey i mean it's excellent work so yeah you know well done on what you've achieved so far and like i say we'll get into what it actually will be uh short enough anyways it is but before we even start on that tell me how did you get started in photography when i was 17 years of age i started in spectra photo uh, in the sandy for industrial estate as a, a an evening job uh, i was a, a film splicer so i would uh the long packets would come in with the rolls of film i'd open it up check it c41 which is a color process Mm-hmm. And I would uh, stick it into the machine, which would splice it onto another roll of film. And so you'd have 500 rolls together that would end up going through a processing um, chemicals. 
Um, so that's how I really got into it. Okay. I used to get all my uh, stuff developed for free, so I was snapping the whole time. My dad's friend gave me a Nikon 301 film camera, just messing around with that, exploring, taking snaps of whatever was happening on, on a day-to-day basis. And what made you then decide to say, you know what, I kind of want to go and do this properly? You know, you were... You obviously had a flair for it. You obviously had an eye for taking the photos and such of that. And you obviously had worked in the processing lab as well. But what made you decide then to say, you know what, maybe I should do this right? I went, I went traveling, first of all, and then came back uh, jobless because I had been working in uh, like kind of des- design and the things and large format printing before that. And when I came back, I was like, I think mm-hmm. I'll, I think I'll actually uh, give the photography a go. So I went for a, I went, I had a job interview with a, a commercial photographer in Dublin. Uh, and it didn't work out so i said to myself okay feeling quite sorry for myself i'm like what's what something's got to change so i decided to put myself through college and i did the a ba in photographic media in griffith college which was three nights a week yeah that went for how long that, uh, three years okay. so that that, that okay. went really well and uh, got on really well in the course and enjoyed not only the photography but the studio stuff and i really enjoyed the the computer side of things as well like messing around in photoshop and learning I, I use InDesign quite a bit for my projects, so my design background came in quite uh, quite well there. So I was able to put together some really nice projects. And when I left college, my lecturer put me in touch with another photographer who was looking for someone to help him uh, to assist, and that was Barry. And I started working with Barry in 2013 and as okay. an assistant. And after a year or so, I kind of progressed to doing post-production in there because he needed someone full-time to work on the files mm-hmm. and it was something that I enjoyed and I was I was quite good at as well so that's how I fell into the role of being a photo retoucher okay and tell me what do you enjoy most about photography I mean you know taking the photo let's just say what do you enjoy most about that uh it didn't seem like a real job which was <laughs> something that that was appealed to me quite a lot you weren't stuck in an office at nine to five you were working with creative people which was a real a real um eye opener for me mm-hmm. um and when i was working uh when i w- working with barry was just was just great like we'd like you know we'd, we'd go on the dos if it was a nice day he had a dog we'd uh he had a sports car we'd take the car we'd go for a drive we'd have the dog we'd go for a bit of lunch and i should say my first job working as a photographer with Barry was uh the chapter one book so i was in and out of mission star restaurants and you know, getting to eat this food and meet these people. It just, it was just crazy. Mm, it's like, mm, mm. It was like, so it was like a dream come true to a certain extent. So, because it's a job, but as you say, it didn't feel like a job. So you were having more fun and enjoying it. I think that probably made you more kind of relaxed and be more involved in it as well, because, you know, they always say, if you find something that you love, you'd never have to work another day in your life. So with that in mind, I mean, you were passionate about photography. You had your skills that you learned in college. You're now working with a professional photographer and you get to see all these things. So it probably was like, what does tomorrow have? Because as you say, in a normal job, it can be the same thing Monday in, day in, day out. So every day could be different. And I think that's probably where you most found your enjoyment. And that's probably where you got good at it, I think, is it? Yeah, no, absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah. And 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 just just meeting people as well. And like I I'm absolutely I love portrait photography i absolutely love it like it just there's there's a there's a rawness about it and actually connecting with someone and getting getting that snap is like i've, I've never experienced anything like that in photography mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um 
I I was lucky enough to win an award in college for a uh, news photographer of the year uh, with the with this medias and I, I I followed a lot of protests and that was another another aspect of photography that I loved as well the spontaneity of something and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, catching something that was like was was going to be gone in a split second mm-hmm. and I think you can get that with portraiture of people as well there's a there's a connection there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you get or that you you, you you drive to get or you know it's not it's it's not the easiest thing in the world i was lucky to work with someone that's an absolute master at at portraits mm-hmm. and drawing that out of people as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's 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 the most fun thing for me about it i think and you know thinking versus then versus no what do you enjoy about photography now i mean aside from the you know, again, we'll get into the detail of the retouching and the editing in a moment. But like, do you still is that, that that what still attracts you, which is the portraiture, the connection with people? Have you advanced that yourself? Is that still uh, something that you're passionate about? Yeah, it's just really diverse. You just you just you don't know where you're going to be from one day to the next. Um, like you really don't. Um, I'm in cabin next week on a on a job. I was in a, in a house today taking some snaps of a house for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just like, you could wake up, you could wake up tomorrow and you could be flying out to New York to do a job mm-hmm. or, you know, I, last year I was not last year, sorry, the year before I was, I was at Santorini on a job. So you just, you just never know what's coming your way. And that's, what's really cool about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's also scary as well. Cause you have to, you have to create something for someone There's an expectation there. You're, they, they want, you know, they want their product to look really cool and, you know, you need to be constantly creative and pushing the boundaries and that's that's got its own pressures as well. But it's generally lots of fun. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, you kind of hit in a couple of things there because a camera can open so many doors. It can give you so many different experiences that without a camera, you'd never get the opportunity to do those. So like, as you say, you know, in the last year with the whole lockdown and COVID and such like that, that changes things completely for everybody. But you've already got the abilities, you've already got the connections, you've already got the contacts, you've already, you know, you've already got the, the client base, let's just say. So like you can go somewhere that you know you're going to be, or you could be somewhere that you didn't know you were going to be. And I think is that, do you enjoy the spontaneity of it? Or do you enjoy the fact that you know you, at least you got something to do and you won't ever be idle? Yeah, no, the spontaneity is definitely, and the the variety is definitely what keeps, keeps, keeps you loving it because you're not you're not knocking on the same door all the time you're not doing the same thing over and over and over again so you're constantly you're constantly learning new things you're in different environments and you're meeting new people and that's what i really do love about it and taking the pictures and getting a great picture as well everybody knows who takes pictures when you get that shot Mm -hmm. how good it feels it's like oh that is that is that is a kick-ass shot Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know, you can add so much to it by different elements of post-production. Like some people don't like post-production. They like the raw aspect of photography, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Other people like to you know, like embellish the shot or heighten it or whatever. Other people like to add things in. So like there's just, there's so many different dimensions to the job. Mm. Um, mm. That's, you know, for me, getting a shot or seeing a shot and then knowing what you want to add to it after you've yes. taken it as well as, is another, is another good thing. Like, you know, I can all, like, I, I, I love shooting in daylight, especially people and uh, like Jane bone, have you ever know Jane bones work? No, she's got that. You'll know that she's a very famous shot of Samuel Beckett. Okay. Yeah. That you'll know, you'll yeah. know. Yeah. So she, she's like a film photographer that just, she, she practically shot, 
practically shot everything in daylight. Okay. It's just like, it's just, it's just, I just love it. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't know if I can put it into words exactly. But, you know, something that comes to mind here and, you know, you mentioned there about doing portraiture and such like that. I mean, you take the photograph, right? So you're, you're in control of the camera. The person is effectively there, but you're directing them to take the shot because you know what you want to achieve from the image. But you said something there, which struck a chord to me is that when you look at the image, you go, wow, you know, when you've got the banger of a shot, you nailed it. How about the reaction to the person that you're taking the photograph of? And they're looking in the back of the camera and they're like, wow, geez, is that me? I mean, is that something that, you know, happens a lot? And is it something that you get a kick out of? Yeah, it's brilliant when that happens. And that's that's actually the key to getting a good picture is making somebody feel comfortable. And if you get that reaction from them, you know, you've done your job. If, if they're looking at the back of the camera and going, wow, was that me? Um, and it's not as if it's not them. Like you're, you're not doing anything differently. It's it's well lit, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. They've got nice. They've got like you know you you you've got the correct clothes on them, mm-hmm. and the background is nice. But it's like you know that 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 in itself is you doing a very good job mm-hmm. if you can get that reaction from somebody. So a lot of the time, people are very intimidated by big cameras and big lenses and big lights and studios. Uh, they they like most people do not feel comfortable in that situation. So. If you can get them to feel comfortable, find a common ground with them, put them at ease, you're going to get that shot time and time again. And you mentioned about shooting in daylight. Do you prefer shooting in daylight or studio light? Um, well, in studio light, you can control it. You know exactly what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And you can replicate it over and over and over again, which is fantastic. But with, with daylight, it just gives I just think you can you just can get extra elements that you're not going to get in the studio. Mm. Um, or like like the difference between having someone there and then swinging them around or swinging them around is huge so if you find the right the right daylight um, like a nor- north light north light is key or doorway if you get someone in a, a north a north uh, north facing doorway mm-hmm. uh, nice flat lit it's just yeah it's it's the best and then you can just you can do what you want in post production and there's just skin tones and stuff like that or mm. like if you look at my Instagram feed, I've got a couple of, um, I did a project on uh, men's sheds mm-hmm. where I did quite a, quite a, a harsh contrasty treatment on them. Um, but that was well. all shot. That was, that was all shot in daylight. Just, just a bit of black velvet against the wall, hmm. wherever, wherever I met these guys. So just making sure they're out of direct sunlight, really. And, you know, from my point of view, I'm a landscape photographer, as you know, and I mean, I pigeonhole myself all the time to say I'm only a landscape photographer. I don't take photographs of people and such like that. But if you're off out and you want to do a shoot again, you know, okay, natural light, daylight, you know, north facing and such like that. Would you have had many shoots over the years that you're shooting out in the landscape? Because the light is so dynamic. The light changes so often because you've got clouds that will give you highlights to deal with or flat light or whatever it may be. So... How do you find shooting in the landscape as such with the with, with the subject being a person? Is it challenging more so than enjoyable? Or is it something that you say, you know what, I know I can do this and this is what I need to do each time? No, it's it's, it's challenging, especially in Ireland. Um, we have quite hard light. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, the weather is very sporadic, mm-hmm. quite windy as well. So, but listen, it's you, you, you just got to work with what you have. Mm-hmm. And you just got to, whatever whatever skills that you've, are, 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 whatever skills or um, experiences that you've gathered over the years will let you know how to get that shot mm. within that environment. So, mm. and as well, 
you know, a couple of bits of kit will, will always help. Like if you've got some uh, poly boards that you can like, you know, put a surround around them or if you've got, you know, the, those giant um, reflectors that you can use to, yeah. to block, to block the sunlight or a huge, a huge, a huge brolly uh, will often be used. A big, huge white umbrella just to stop um, direct sunlight yeah. hitting. You don't want direct light, sunlight. Yeah. You don't want direct sunlight on people. Yeah. It's too hard. Yeah. It's soft. They squint. Light. So yeah. Yeah. You, you, like you, you have to use your experience to work within your environment to get the shots. Mm. So it, it depends on, depends on what the job is as well. Like, you know, what, 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 what they're looking for. Um, like with fashion editorials, you can shoot in the hard light on the sunlight because it's an editorial. But if you're shooting for an e-commerce website and someone's got a lovely iron jumper, you know, you have to make sure the product looks, looks the business. Otherwise yeah. you're not doing your job right. Like, you know, yeah. they're, they're paying you to sell their product or, or make their product look as good as it looks. Mm. So, but that being said, it's always a team effort. It's never just the photographer, just the photographer, there's the clothes stylist, there's hair, there's makeup. Um, you know, there's creative directors and so like when it when 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 you're in in situations like that, you're 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 part of a team. Mm, mm. Um, although the book will kind of stop you in relation to the shots, but everyone everyone around you has a job to do, so um, that helps you focus on what you you what you need to get done as well. Mm, and tell me, you know, one other question I suppose on that: Do you prefer working with experienced models or new models, or people who aren't models at all, just the average person? Listen, if you're working with a, if you're working with a brilliant model, you're going to get brilliant shots there. You know, it's it's the difference between someone that's like a, like if you're like you can get really good shots of someone that hasn't modeled before, mm-hmm. but it's a lot harder to get to that point. If you have someone that knows what they're doing, um, it just makes your job so much easier, like so much easier. It's the same with hair and makeup as well and styling. If you get people that are really, really good at their job, mm-hmm. it, the shoot looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all these, all of the time, these things are team effort. It's not just the photographer. Like when you're looking at a shot of Kate Moss shot by, I don't know, Mario Testino or whoever, mm-hmm. uh, Rankin, whoever, like there's a whole team of people behind behind the camera mm-hmm. that made that shot mm-hmm. look the way it looks. Mm-hmm. It's not just the photographer. Um, mm. So there's a whole, there's a whole crew. That's why everyone gets credited because it's, it is really a team effort. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's important as well, as you say, I mean, look, you've got, you know, wardrobe, you've got makeup, right. You've got lighting, you've got the photographer, you know, you've also, if it's a bigger picture and you've got to do a job for somebody, you've got to get a certain look and feel out of that. So you, I presume you have to make sure you're cognizant to that before you even take the image. Cause as you say, and I mean, we'll touch on it in a moment about the whole retouching side of things, but it's important to get it right in the camera in the first instance, so that you know that you have the tools and the assets to be able to work with when it comes into the retouching as well. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't get it, if you don't get the foundations of a house, right, it's going to fall down. You know, so yeah. that's probably the easiest way to think of it. Um, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned there a second ago, I suppose, and how you kind of got started as a, a retoucher, but I kind of want to expand on that further. Right. So, like you, when well, when I know you years ago, like I said, you know, you've you always had an affinity with computers. You figured out things, and I was like, wow, how was he able to get this and such like that? But um, it's one thing to be able to take a photograph, and yes, I mean, it's a challenge, and it's, it's it's a great skill to have to know that you can actually take the photograph. But you then had said, okay, I'm good at this on the computer, so I can make this image look a lot better. So you mentioned there, you know, that there was an opportunity he needed somebody full time. But tell me how you kind of got started in the whole 
photo editing anyway before we even go into how you got started as a retoucher but how did you get started in the whole photo editing because photoshop can be quite intimidating for a lot of people um but for you you kind of embraced it and you, you seem to have your head around it very very quickly so tell me how you kind of got into that side of it um my dad won a copy of photoshop 5 had a, a graphic a graphic design um thing back in the 90s wow. and we had it we had a mac in the house we had like a, a i don't know a g3 or a, like a power mac or something i can't remember what it was this must have been in 90 1998 maybe okay. i think it could be 97 so um my dad was uh, working as a graphic designer at the time for a company and he uh, he had a he had the computer there he had the the software there and he brought me home a, a bunch of uh, cds with um stock images on them at that at that time you know, you couldn't get stock images on the internet. It was dial up if you wanted to uh, listen to a song. It would take 20, 30 minutes to download uh, a 3.5 meg so, file. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I had a load of CD-ROMs with some some high-res images. So I used to cut out, I used to cut out like seagulls and elephants and just drop them into different uh, different things and just see what I could do. Well, back then, Photoshop was very limited. I don't even know if they had history states. I can't remember. Um but yeah, it was just I, I was just fascinated by the fact that you could actually do this, mm-hmm. and that's I, that was I suppose how I started started, um, and then yeah, when I when I when I was working uh, in the studio, I um, they needed they it was part of the job was to assist on the day and be on the shoots, but you also had to like manage the files and do stuff like that, like so. The, the previous guy that had my job was able to do both things. Mm-hmm. He was able to do re- re- post-production and he was able to do assisting. So Barry had kind of, when he was when he was hiring someone, he asked, look, do you have any experience with Photoshop? Can you do mm-hmm. this? And I was like, yeah, no, I can do both of those things. So just kind of started off as a role in the middle, mm. doing a bit of this and a bit of that. And it just it just progressed over to the doing the post-production and the things really. Class, you know, I mean, it's, it's always interesting to find out how somebody lands in a role. I mean, you know, even just to recap even what you said here, even in the first part, you know, you like you, you always kind of took photographs when you were younger. Then you said, OK, I want to learn it properly. Then you were messing around with Photoshop and then you got an opportunity to do it properly without messing around and practicing. You wouldn't have put yourself in that position. So, I mean, for anybody that's listening out there and thinks, oh, you know what, like this is impossible because I can't do this and I can't do that. I mean, the fact the very nature of starting something and doing it as a practice, it does help you. And you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're living yeah. proof of that, you know? A hundred percent. Like you, you, you could find yourself in a position in five years time where someone's going, Hey, I need, I need you to do this job, but if you can do this, it would help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's also how I got into doing websites as well. I was, when I was working in the studio, they needed two websites, one for the studio, one for the photographer. I was like, Hey, I think I could probably do that. So I taught myself WordPress and from there I, I started a web development company and now I make, I make websites for people as well. So, mm, class. um, yeah, you just, you just don't know. Um, and learning any software is good because especially all the Adobe's pretty much work in tandem with each other or they're very similar. So if you understand how to use Photoshop, you, you'll pick up Illustrator. Or if you understand how to use Illustrator, you'll be able to use InDesign. So, you know, it's, 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 it's good method to learn, mm. to learn the software. So what you're saying basically is play around with the software and then you might find that you've got a skill for it and somebody will need that skill. And when they do need that skill, bang, you're there, you're ready yeah. because you're not having to yeah. learn. You've already done it already. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and even if you don't know it that well, you'll have you'll have a bit of confidence about you. You'll be able to say, "Hey, I've tried that, or I can do that, or you know, I don't know exactly how to do that, but I bet you I could figure it out." Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a good thing, and it's yeah. good as well to to keep the mind occupied and just just work on creative things and figure stuff out. And, yeah. See, see what you can make, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, in the whole lockdown period of time, a lot of people have upskilled themselves because they wanted to do something and keep the mind active, as you say. And I mean, you know, out of the very nature of being able to do something, it could open doors for you. So, I mean, I think, like I say, you're living proof in relation to doing that. And like, what I'm going to do, Dylan, is I'm going to take a very quick break and I come back because I really want to get into the nuts and bolts of retouching because I think it's a, a whole fascinating aspect of photography and I'm really interested to see how you would approach retouching as well. So yeah, we'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalog we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So Dylan, like I alluded to there in the first part, I'd like to discuss a bit further on the whole aspect of editing. Um, so to start us off with, really, you know, from a listener's point of view, as a professional retoucher, as a professional photo editor, what advice would you give to somebody on editing? Organized. Get as organized as you can. Folder folder structure is paramount. So any 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 job I shoot or start to shoot, I have a folder template made on my computer, which pretty much has six or seven folders in it. Download, mm-hmm. edit, tests. Tests would be shots that we get up in the day to show the client. Uh, JPEG for edit. That would be the, the, the watermark JPEG to send to clients. Mm-hmm. And then miscellaneous and you might have video or something there. It depends on what you're doing. So that's that's the first thing. Um, all the folders are dated. So today would be the 14th of the 4th, 21D underscore um, image editorial. Yeah, yeah. Um, the file names will follow that exact same right. um, file structure. Mm-hmm. So you'll, once, once, you sh- once you shoot everything, everything gets put into a download folder. Okay. Then I use Adobe Bridge. Okay. To edit back the shots. So I use a numbering system, one to five for, for rating stars. And then I use uh, the color tag system as well. Okay. Um, so normally a red tag for me would be uh, the shots that I want to keep. And then once once I've gotten all my red tags, I'll fil- filter them in. And then I will knock out, I'll go through them again and knock out the ones that I don't want. Mm. And from there, I will... Uh, I'll bring them into Lightroom and I'll watermark them and send them out as what we call screen resolution JPEGs. So like really low res JPEGs, uh, 72 DPI by a thousand pixels or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, just for the client to look at. And then the client will come back with the, the date and the file number. It's easy for you to find the file then as well, because you've got that file structure, as you say, set up. So e- even, exactly. from, even from that point of view, like y- 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 it's important that you've got all your assets aligned correctly so that you know that when you are working on them you're not going to be losing them you're not going to be finding them you're not going to get confused with them because i know a lot of people like even from a standard hobbyist photography point of view wouldn't even consider how to have a proper file structure you know um yeah i know many people out there that would 
get their SD card, pop it into the computer, and they'll start editing from the SD card. When, in fact, you're edit- you should be editing from the computer because you want to keep the RAWs there. Plus, as well, if you're editing from the SD card and you pop the SD card out, then the system is looking for that file on an SD card, which is no longer there as well. So yeah. by having... Well, your first, your, first, your first, sorry to put it there, your first mistake is trusting an SD card to begin with, Darren. Um, the minute... The minute you shoot stuff, it should be put onto an external hard drive and then onto another hard drive realistically. Mm, um, mm. Like having, I would not trust an SD card uh, to keep my stuff on, never never mind actually any edited work. Have you um, had many SD cards fail? I've had a couple fail. I've had a, a good few CF cards fail as well. Wow. Um, I tend to buy my CF cards and SD cards directly off SanDisk now or Western Digital. Um, I used to get them off Amazon, mm-hmm. but um, it's just not worth the risk. Just pay pay the extra money, have that peace of mind. Um, Why? There's too many fake. There's too many. There's too many counterfeits out there. You just don't know. You just don't. You're just like they're not. They're not even that more expensive from the source. And um, if you go into Western Digital, you can buy, you can buy your SanDisk um, cards if that's who you like. Mm-hmm. We've I've used Lexar before as well. I've had problems with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what their new ones are like. Um, but you know. We shoot an awful lot of stuff as well, so the cards get hammers. Like the the shutters, the shutters get hammered on the cameras as well. Like I have a Canon five D Mark IV at the moment, mm-hmm. and there's like there's well over six hundred thousand actuations on that shutter wow. at the minute. So, wow, what's, um, what's the life expectancy of that shutter? Two hundred and fifty thousand, is it? They say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said they say that, like, um, wow. So it's not it's not that expensive to get it replaced. It's about three three fifty three eighty something like that to get a new shutter in. Okay. Um. So anyone, whoever you buy your camera off, you can drop it back to them, and they'll send it out to Canon for you. So, hmm. um, we use ISS in Dublin, in supply systems, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. or else, uh, we've used cons and stuff before. So that's another reason why it's nice to buy buy off. Uh, people, yeah, for in the sure. shop oh. where you can talk to because you have you have that that peace of mind that if something goes wrong, you can go in and go, "Hey, my ca- my camera's broken," mm. and they'll give you a loan and they'll take the other one in and they'll get it repaired for you. So, mm. and I suppose there's nothing worse than as well if you're on a high profile job and you know a card fails. I mean, you you can't get those people back again. So, like, do you? you know, I, I shoot with an EOS R and I don't care that it only has one SD card. But from your point of view, do you always have two cards in 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 every camera? Yeah, two cards. Yeah, one SD, one CF. Shooting raw into both. Right. Um, if it's a if it's a, a big, if it's a big e-commerce job or something like that where you're going to be shooting like 150 garments in a day, you know, you could shoot JPEG, high res JPEGs because the output is going to be just for a web. So that's fine. So you can shoot raw and JPEG. But if it's something that that that's needed for for print media or for billboard or something like that, I think I personally prefer to shoot raw into both cards. Mm, yeah, better um, to be. It's slow. It slows. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, better to be safe. And you know, uh, tell me what sort of projects have you uh, worked on? So you know, you I know like you show me. I I've seen a number of your images, and one image that I you showed me actually only recently was an image of Keith Barry, and I think it was a phenomenal image that you had taken there. But like, what sort of projects have you worked on in your career so far? Well, that was actually sorry. That was Barry that shot that oh, that uh, okay. Keith, Keith Barry campaign. I did the post production. Yeah, on it. yeah, but you still worked on the project, so I mean, not necessarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was really cool. Actually, um, Keith's really, really nice um, to work with, and he's a very creative person as well. And uh, he's got a lot of spontaneity about him. So um, he 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 had to change his whole business as well because he was in live gig. So mm-hmm. uh, he's doing a lot of stuff over Zoom. So. 
um, he came to he came to Barry and myself, and we were having conversations about, uh, you know, how, he had an idea. Nor- normally, normally people will send you reference images, or they'll have that explain something to you, and you'll 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 put together like a mood board or a set of reference shots, and you go, "I'd like to try something like this." So, his the idea for him was he wants to be coming out of the computer screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, we shot him. We shot a, an iMac. Uh, on green screen mm-hmm. and then we put keith in a similar position and uh barry shot him with like cards and like uh you know zippo lighters and uh dye and a couple of different elements and mm. interesting that was uh that was really nice to work on actually so we got some uh we got some cool looking um almost like a villain lair backgrounds from shutterstock nice and we uh we photoshopped them in or i photoshopped them in and then just got him coming out the screen, put some lens flare in, and yeah, a couple of different other bits and bobs, color grade, nice color grading. So mm. th- those shots are on Instagram for anyone who wants to see them. I think Keith, Keith Barry has them on his page. Yeah, I don't think I put them on my page yet. Yeah, I know you you showed me that image, I suppose, and I, that really struck me. But like of the stuff that you've got published and such like that, then as well, what type of projects have you have you worked on other than that one? Well, the last big one was uh, was before lockdown because since since. Uh, the pandemic came in and things have been different. So the last one I did was for the last big one I did was for Paddy Power. Okay. As for actually, well, it was for public house who are an ad agency, um, that were doing Paddy Power. So we, myself and Barry were out with Colin Meany in Leopardstown race course. I, I, I remember seeing so, all, the, all the billboards. Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, that was a really nice project to work on. So that was kind of like, we shot all the extras. Uh, again, we, sh- we, we actually hired a Fuji medium format camera for that. Nice. Uh, it's a GX something or other. Is GX100. Yeah. Yeah. G- GFX, G- GFX 100. Yeah. hundred megapixel That's images. It. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking insane. Um, Excuse me for my French. That's okay. You're now getting excited when you reach 100 <laughs> megapixels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like this thing has like eye tracking, um, autofocus, nice. um, and yeah, just 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 nuts. Brilliant, brilliant camera to work with. So you went out to Leopardstone uh, Racecourse with Colin Meany, and you took photographs of him there. Yeah. Yeah, Barry was. I was. I was. I was digi up, and yeah. then we had an, another guy, Colin, who was doing a system with us, and Barry was. Uh, Barry was the photographer. Okay. So yeah. Um, Colm came in and on green screen he was uh, he was I don't know if anyone knows knows the the ad he was kind of wearing like a like a, a three quarter length trench coat mm-hmm. I think yeah um, and then there was a like there was a load of kind of the Irish were coming to Cheltenham was the idea so we had like a like a, an Olympic speed walker mm-hmm. and then there was a couple of other couple of other uh, like there was some fans uh, you know Koi Big and all this other sort of stuff and there was kind of Peaky Blinders type characters as well so mm-hmm. there was just a, a whole different array of characters so I think maybe 30, 30 people 40 people so basically um, Barry shot all the stills of the different characters doing all their different moves and then uh, we shot some some stills of the race course and then we sourced some stock footage of the Cheltenham stands Nice. and then I put it all together in Photoshop and then I had to build like a Hollywood sign that said Paddy Power because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they actually have one in Cheltenham, Hollywood, a Hollywood style sign in Cheltenham. Oh yeah, um, okay. So yeah, it was it was it was pretty big. Again, it, I don't know. There could have been two hundred layers on that on that file wow. easily. 
Wow. So again, you really have to be organized with your with your layers. You have to name everything. You have to group stuff into folders. You have to color code things, because mm-hmm. um, it can get out of hand fairly quickly. And I, you know, we'll go into your workflow in a minute. But I suppose you have to make sure that everything is graded the same as well. Then, because there's no point in having something that's warm on one image and cold on another image, because they're not going to gel in the whole cohesive image that you're trying to create in the end of it as well. Yeah, that can happen. Most of the time, most of the time when you shoot stuff in a studio style environments, everything will be the same color. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll take I'll take the raws into into um, actually we use Capture Pro for that job. So uh, you color balance everything before it's even shot. So your your white balance is is sorted. Your exposures, your you know your shadow details, your highlight details, everything everything is done before the um, the first person even steps in. Okay. okay. So when the, that's one of the one of the great things about using capture is that it is it's it's like it's versatile and and everything stays the same across the whole shoot. You're mm. not like if you're shooting on a Canon, and someone comes in with a red coat. Yeah. It's going to be one color, and then if someone comes in with a blue coat, it's going to be that's if you have to white balance set to auto, of course. But like when you're using tethered software mm-hmm. and you've set you've preset everything up, it, it all comes in the same color. Mm. So we had a couple of instances on that job where we did have problems because we had to get some Peaky Blinder type characters off Shutterstock and a couple of other a couple of other characters off Shutterstock that we didn't have access to on the day. So they will be they will be graded up. As, as close to as possible as the final thing but once all the elements are put together in the image mm-hmm. the client will look at it and sign off and everything and at that point oh. i grade everything yeah, so the, gra- the grading yeah. is done at the very end because that's what will tie the whole thing together mm. that's what will make it look like it's not just people dropped on you know obviously you've got your shadowing your sh- shadows and shades and all that sort of stuff as well but the overall grade for me is what ties the image together at the end so Answer me this one, right? I know it's probably a difficult one to answer because number one, we're not in the period of time where a normal inverted commas working day would be. But what would be your typical day? Um, it can vary. I mean, I know as you say, I mean, every every day, every week can be different. But describe a typical day, I suppose, for somebody that's wondering. You know, what is professional retoucher? What's your typical day? I. That is tough to describe because every job varies so i mentioned earlier on i worked on a editorial for image magazine mm-hmm. which was really nice to work on now there's another another um post-production job that i worked on recently and uh, um that is going to be in now this this was originally done as a test shoot for anyone that doesn't know what a test shoot is a test shoot is when people get together it's it's like what um people that are professionals might call um a TOP is a time for portfolio, TFP time for portfolio or whatever. So I'm not no sure. Idea. So basically, basically people, creative people come together and they, they do a shoot that they really want to do a shoot with. So there's no, there's no interference from anybody. Okay. It's okay. Full the stylist gets the clothes. Yeah, exactly. Carte blanche. Just the stylist gets the clothes that they want to use. The model uh, comes in cause she wants to do something exciting for her book or just to freshen things up. The photographer gets to, to light it and shoot it whatever way he wants. So, Barry and Catherine Condell, who's a stylist, um, and myself were working with Talia Heffernan, who is a model, and she was like, "Hey, I would really love to do a project with you guys. That's like not, you know, not a pay gig test shoot." Mm-hmm. So Catherine's like, "I've got loads of really cool clothes from over the years," and Barry's like, "Yeah, we should do like a Peter Lindbergh style, uh, shoot." Mm-hmm. So we we all got together in the studio. We had Aidan Darcy as well, who's a really a really fab hairdresser. 
he came aboard and then Zoe Clark who is a again she's a really a top-notch um makeup artist like one of the best in the country um for fashion shoots mm-hmm. and bridal and all that sort of stuff so well, the team the team was assembled and we myself and Barry painted a couple of canvas backdrops last year okay it's kind of like vanity fair style things mm-hmm. so yeah we popped up one of the uh one of the canvas backdrops and um we shot the Barry shot the whole campaign and like he said Peter Lindbergh and I'm like yes okay so black and white mm-hmm. let's do this you never see you never get to do black and whites for magazines because they always I don't know why they always in Ireland anyway they always they always want to print color mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so yeah so it was like a like black and white and then it's like oh yeah we get to make it look like film as well so like you know we're adding grain structure in and you know you can you can have like you can have deep shadows on the side of the face and when you have a model like talia she can handle any sort of lighting as well so yeah it was just a really really lovely job to work on mm. and that should be out i said to follow the magazine the other day so i think that'll be out in the next week or two so people will get to have a look at that and that that that's like a typical day's work i suppose because you're working with creative people mm. you're you know everyone everyone has a job to do and everyone wants everyone wants their stuff to look everyone wants it to look really cool yeah and especially that's the that's the thing about editorials uh fashion editorials is you can be really creative mm. with them like if you if you're working on a job for an e-commerce site or for e-commerce it it, it has a structure it needs to look a certain way mm-hmm. but when you're able to break that mold that's when you get the best out of people Absolutely. That's when people get to do what they really love to do. Yeah. And it's exo- and it's really exciting as well. It's really exciting when you're in the studio and stuff like that. So um Yeah, I know I mean so I, the guys are all that, that that sorry, that that that's a very good example, I suppose, because you know, you might have a situation where you're you're pigeonholed into creating something, whereas that is okay, what can we do here collective, like a hive mind? You know, you've got the makeup artist, the model, you know, you've you've got the, the wardrobe, you've got the photographer, and then you've got the editor as well, who also has a, a hand in playing what comes out in the final end of that. So like I've kind of alluded to there a moment ago, what would your typical workflow be? So you've already said the most important part and tip from editing point of view is to have a file structure. So you've got your file structure done now. Now you're now bringing in your files to work on them. So what would your typical workflow be? So yeah, my typical workflow is once the, once the clients selected the files, mm-hmm. I'll bring everything into Lightroom and in Lightroom, I can do the color grade. I can do all the tonal adjustments and any color or exposure or highlights or lowlights or shadows or whatever needs to be adjusted. I'll do, I'll do all of that in Lightroom Okay. as, as an overall. For every image. For oh. every image. So just, just get it up to a standard, just get it up to a point. Okay. I love, I love, I love Lightroom. And uh, there's loads of stuff you can do in it, but I, I, it's, it's quite limited when you need to hone in on aspects so for an overall getting the shots to an overall level lightroom and then i'll export them as psds and then bring them into photoshop and from there we'll start tackling different elements of the image as if it needs to if the skin needs to be worked on if there's any creases in the clothes that need to be fixed if you want to you know, add a, a, a vignette that you've got more control over that you can't do in Lightroom. Or if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to bring up an area of clothing, just to sing, isolate areas, do all that type of work. We sometimes use the liquify tool if it's need, if needs be, but I try to stay away from that type of thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically it. Mm. Lightroom, then Photoshop and, and then Photoshop sky's the limit. Mm. 
Mm, okay. And I suppose from the different types of software, so you mentioned, you know, Capture One, you've got Adobe Bridge, you've got Adobe Lightroom, you've got Adobe Photoshop. So that's probably the main four things that you would use. So what do you like most about the Adobe suite and what do you dislike? Uh, I I love, I have a real love, love hate relationship with Bridge. Okay. Um, I never use it. I, I, it's like I I we need I like you can do you can do the work in Capture Pro as well that you can do in Bridge, but the fact that Bridge works in tandem with Photoshop, it's it's very helpful. It's it's great software, but it just it eats up your computer memory. Hmm. Like you know, you're constantly have to purge cache files in the cache system. It's just I just I just hate it. I love it, but I hate it. It just <laughs> just drives me mad. Um, and they constantly popping up. Would you recommend this to a friend? I always go, no, zero. Do not show me this box again. I'm like, and they keep asking for feedback. Yeah, tell us how bad asking. we are this like, week, Dylan. We're still bad. It, no, it, it, it's good. It's good software. It's 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 like like anything, you know. When when it's not working or it's not going your way, you're cursing it. But most most of the time, like for what I need it for, it does the job. I'm able to view my files. I'm able to check the focus on them. I'm able to mark them. I'm able to put keywords in if I want. Mm. And do you use meta tags and stuff like that as well? The odd time, I I don't really use them. I like if I'm working on a a project for web websites or e-commerce, it's 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 a good facility and mm-hmm. it's a good. It's one of those things that you should do, mm-hmm. but I don't. It's like it's like naming layers in Photoshop. You should name every single layer that you work on mm-hmm. in Photoshop, mm-hmm. but it's easy not to do it as well mm-hmm. because so. And and do you find that like you know you might have an image that you know could be an absolutely killer image, but there was something that was missing, and you say you know what no I'm going to dedicate the time to do this because I know it could be a killer image. So I presume there's some image that you go, you know, this is like a passion project. I want this to be for what I can visualize it can be, and you'll go over your 15 minutes from that point because you just don't want it to be 99% complete because you know that one little extra bit is going to make yeah, a huge yeah. difference. But does the, uh, you get that all the, the you get that all the time. But does the does the client even recognize that though? Because you know you're right in the detail. I mean, you know you're you're zooming in there and you're looking at pixels or whatever it may be, and you're going, okay, that's not just quite right. I want to get it right. But the client will never know that. But it's the perfectionist that's within all of us. I think that your output you want it to be as good as it can be. So yeah, the fifteen minute rule I think is probably a good guide. But I'm sure there are many examples yeah. where you spent more time on it. Ah, uh, you have to, you have to, like, you, you can't leave things a certain way. It's like, it's like smoothing cement. You, you could spend all day smoothing it, trying to get it right. Like, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> if you have the time, you'll sit, you'll, you'll sit there and you'll do it. Yeah. Um, but a, a lot of the time with post-production, you actually need to step away from the project and look at it the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's one thing I would often do if I'm working on something, um, better cook i'll i'll leave it and then i'll come back to it tomorrow and i'll go oh actually i never saw that because you, you can get you can get so focused on certain things or certain elements mm. that you'll miss other things mm. um like i did a i did a sh- i did a job last not last it was last year it started last year even the year before for myself and barry were at tgi fridays and we shot they did like the 12 drinks of christmas okay so they were making cocktails and uh they're really cool you had to drink them i presume when you were all finished did you i wish i wish they actually go they go to shit after about 10 minutes so like (laughs) they they look absolutely awful after a couple of minutes everything starts to separate but like it was almost set up like a cityscape you know with all the different the different glasses and stuff like that like and there's a lot of work because you gotta you gotta you gotta cut out all those different elements okay and no matter what you do 
the camera is going to move. Mm. Mm. Okay, so like you, we have it set up. You've got Barman coming by, like so. You're oh, there's always going to be little aspects that you kind of miss. So I always kind of try to get people to look over it for me as well. I'd be like, would you zoom in there and scoot around that image and have a look and see if you can see anything? Because I'm like, I'm going blind looking at the thing. Yeah. So they're like, oh yeah, there's hair, here and here. So I'll always, I'll, I'll add a layer in where people can write notes down for me as well, because you, you really, you really, it's, I, it's, you know, that hunter gatherer type thing, mm -hmm. you know, the way your wife's like, or your girlfriend or your partner or whoever's like, oh, would you get that peanut butter out of, out of the cupboard? Like, what are you talking about? There's no peanut butter in there. And you're looking in the, in the press for like 15 minutes and it closes. And like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then she opens the press. She goes, it's right here. It's like, I'm like, hunter gatherer, you know, yeah. men, men can see things really far away. We're not good at things that are right in front of our faces. Yeah. So there's that, as there's that aspect of it. Yeah. And you know what? You're dead right too. I think it's even close to it. Even from my own point of view as an amateur photographer. I mean, if I'm doing an edit on an image, I'll always let it cook. I'll never, you know, go, okay, I've taken it today. I'm going to process it today. I'm going to publish it today. Never. Um, I mean, from my own point of view, I'd always, I might take my photographs and it might be two weeks before I even go looking at them again. But even when I look at them again, I will never finish a process in one day because you become colorblind. You know, you're, 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 you also look at it and kind of go, that looks great. That edit looks savage. And you look back the following day and you go, Jesus, what was I thinking, man? I mean, that's completely yeah. wrong. Because your eyes will adjust <laughs> yeah. to normality. You know? That happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love going back over images as well. I like, because you always see things that you never saw the first time around. It's such a sweet feeling. It's like, what the hell? Where's that image being? Oh my God, I never noticed that on the day. Yeah. I got to do something with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, or or, of, or the flip side is that you find something you go, Jesus, what did I think of when I edited that one? Yeah, you know, we see, least, we, we see, least. yeah, we see the progress. I suppose, but progress comes with practice. Yeah, that's part of the journey, though. That's that's part of the fun, you know. Yeah, um, if you don't make the mistakes, you're never going to learn. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we kind of alluded there a moment ago as well, Dylan, about the different projects that you worked on. I mean, have you got a favorite project out of everything that you've worked on in the last seven years? Have you have a favorite project and why? Um, I love, I love the fashion editorials because you, you can kind of go a little bit nuts on them. Um, and most, most jobs have structure. They need to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. It has to be this. It has to be that. That's what's expected. That's what the client is paying for. So with, when it comes to fashion editorials, everybody, everybody gets to throw their bit of creativity nice. into the project and that, that, that for me, that's, I, I love that. So there's a couple that I've worked on over the years. Um, I should probably send you a few or I, I was just, there's like, there's one that we did for Tatler magazine, um, in what used to be John player building mm -hmm. off the, uh, South circular road. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a big abandoned warehouse where they used to make cigarettes. Mm -hmm. But, um, we got like a joint whale skull in that was like, had bits of like silver on it. And then like giant skulls and like big, like Salvador Dali melting clocks. And wow. then like, we got like led panels. Uh, so Chuck Solis was a company that we uh, used to get lighting off and we still do actually. Uh, they were like one of the major lighting firms, hire firms in Dublin. Uh, well, they're Wicklow based. So they like, you know, they've got loads of cool things like, uh, like Ari skylights and HMIs and like, you know, led panels. And so we got these like, like led panels and like the, the model is holding up to her face and she's like styled up to the noise like like it's just it's just really cool and there's all this stuff going on in the background and we had like smoke machines and uh yeah it's just it's just really good fun because like the shots the shots there and the shot looks good but you can actually go you can go nuts on the color and you can go nuts on, on the grade and you can actually put your own personality into it mm. Mm. which is 
I, that's my favorite part of photo editing as well. Yeah, for sure. I suppose, you know, and again, having your own personal touch because otherwise you'd just be pigeonholed into creating something. And I mean, you know, not to... Well, a lot of the time we get overlooked, like, because the photographer at the end of the day gets the credit for the shot. So, like, if you're working on your own stuff, that's that's grand. But if you're working for somebody else... Yeah. Now, you all, they always they always do credit you when you're when they post the stuff on social media or if it's in magazines to try and get a, a credit for post-production. But at the end, most of the time... You yep. know, you're you're under the radar. Yeah, you're 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 and, you're the background that that that, that all the wheels yeah. that make the whole thing come together for the final output. Yeah, yeah. but I, and 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 in my opinion, we have a fairly large input into what happens as well. Like it's you know a lot mm. of our skill goes into actually producing, especially when it comes to portraits. Like some of the uh, some of the portrait stuff that you worked on is just you know you're like this you're just adding things that weren't there to begin with. And you're mm-hmm. just, you know, you're putting things that you know how to do on, onto that image. Now the foundation is there. The image is amazing. The light is really cool, mm-hmm. but there's, 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 there's certain elements of post-production that will just lift it again. It's just bringing up that other extra little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that brings me, I suppose, to the, to the final question actually that I have in this part of the show is, um, have you a project coming up that you're looking forward to? Is there something that's on the radar mid long term or whichever it may be? But if you got something that you're really looking forward to working on? Um short answer is no. Um yeah. every, everything has changed this year, Darren. Yeah. Um there's nothing like we used to do uh two, maybe three shoots a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's I haven't I haven't been working really normal, at all. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, yeah. Not even normal. I've had like very few jobs come in and half the stuff I've talked about tonight done for free or yeah. it's been editorial stuff so you're not getting paid for it you're just doing it just to actually get out there and do stuff mm. so yeah what, no, you're, nothing... you're looking forward to normality coming back so and you're looking forward to kind of getting something yeah. that you know you can get your teeth stuck into again and you know be creative and a bit of spit of spit of structure as well it's like yeah i used to love going into the studio every day and mixing with people and meeting people and that's just not happened now like if something does come up which is very very not very often Mm. At the moment, you're working from home, and you know if you're, I find in a creative environment, you're, of course you can do it on your own, and you can work at home. But if you're buzzing, if you're working with other people that are on the same wavelength and doing the same thing as you, you know what I mean. You're yeah. having a bit of crack. Yeah. You're able to, you're able to discuss things. And go, hey, what do you think about this, or what do you reckon on that? And yeah. You can still do that stuff over Zoom, and you know, text things, but it's not the same. It's not the same. No. Yeah, it's a hive mind, you know, and the hive mind is very, very powerful because everybody has a, a live input. I mean, everybody is kind of working differently over the last year in the whole office environment as well, exactly as you say, you know. Like if I've, even from my own point of view, if I've got a question for my own main job, in the past I'd just get up off my seat and I'd walk into the office next door and go, listen, what do you think of this? Whereas now it's completely different. Because I can do it via Zoom or I can, you know, pick up the phone or I might have to say, okay, I'd have to, you know, schedule a meeting here okay next friday at four o'clock i ah, forget it four o'clock the day is done but i just want a very yeah. very quick answer so you know there's a huge uh, benefit to having people around you because you can bounce ideas off you can go you know what you think of this and on the fly someone go oh, i like that but have you thought of this oh geez i haven't yeah. and that's where i think yeah. you know the, the the people power comes into it because um as you said a number of times you know it's not just one person that's involved in the project it's a number of people that are collectively giving input which affects the output at the very, very end of that, Jess. So no, Dylan, that was 
a fascinating insight, I suppose, into, you know, how you would go about your day, what you do from the uh, editing point of view, and again, some of the projects that you've worked on as well. So thanks for that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a final break. I have three questions that I ask every single guest. And just because you're a friend of mine, I'm not going to let you off. So I'm going to ask you the same three (laughs) questions as well. So look, we'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You're very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Dylan, like I said, I have three staple questions. You're not getting away with it, man. I'm going to ask you all three as well. So, first question is a funny photography story. I'm sure you've got many, but yeah, give me one. Well, this is uh, this wasn't very funny for me, but it was, uh, it was more embarrassing. But everyone else thought it was funny. They're the best. Uh, it was a beautiful, a beautiful day in Dublin. I was working, uh, myself and Barry were working together for the ISPCC. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing some pro bono work for the Shield campaign a couple of years ago, and um, Jesse J, the uh, singer songwriter, was yeah. was in Dublin, and she she said she would uh, be happy to um to be part of the campaign. So anyway, it was it must have been twenty five degrees. We were up on the rooftop of the Marker Hotel in Dublin, yeah. and uh, Jesse J is there looking cool. She's in like she's in like these uh these baggy like high-vis type pants and she just looks amazing she's like she's a gorgeous looking girl mm-hmm. and uh barry's snapping away and i'm on the i'm on the computer and i come over to look at something and i'm and he's like would you mind holding this and i'm like yeah no, yeah yeah no problem it was a polyboard just to reflect a bit of light back in and i went to kneel down on what i thought was like a, a, a like a puff or a poof uh but actually turned out to be a giant cushion and I went yeah. straight through the thing and I snapped myself and smashed my face off the ground and I just jumped back up and I was like and they're all like oh my god are you okay and I'm like I am so embarrassed right now <laughs> <laughs> and Barry's just like you're a fucking idiot get up <laughs> so yeah it was uh, it was funny looking back on it but it was yeah it was it was pretty embarrassing that's the time yeah I wonder if she remember it yeah who, who's that goal there that smacked his face off the ground <laughs> she definitely won't remember me she definitely won't remember me. she's got much bigger bigger and better things going on in life I'm sure uh, you never know um, you never know yeah. you never know <laughs> Ah, yeah, it's good, good. Yeah, I mean, they're they're the best stories when it's about embarrassment because you know they're like they're not funny at the time, but when you look back on things, absolutely, yeah, it's good. It's a good story, yeah. good story. I'd say um, if I was on the red chair now, Graham would have dumped me off about ten minutes ago. Ah, uh, that's okay. Yeah, I'll leave you on. You're all right. I don't I don't have that lever to not kick, to kick you out, so you're all right. Um, so the next question I have is, you know, what gear do you shoot with? So you've already said to me that you shoot with the Canon five D Mark Four. So, um, is it that the camera body that you use? Uh, what lenses do you use, etc. Yeah, I've yeah, it's standard twenty four to seventy, uh, two point eight four, two point eight, two point eight. Yeah, so I have a standard uh, twenty four to seventy two point eight. I have a um sixteen to thirty five and a seventy two hundred two point eight as well. All L lenses. Nice. And then I also have a, a Mark Three backup body, and then I, for my own personal stuff, I. I use a Fuji XE3 nice. with a 50mm lens. Sorry, it's a 35mm lens, but it's, it acts as a 50mm because, yeah, because of the problem. Prop. So yeah. that's yeah. kind of my um, 
and then I mostly use my iPhone. If I'm honest, the 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 camera on the iPhone 12 is amazing, and um, the wide angle with the kids, low down, like just splashing in puddles and stuff is just phenomenal. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm I'm very similar to that as well. I've said a number of times. You know, I know how to take a shot now with the camera, but by the time the moment comes and gone, I can't even get the camera. I haven't got the lens on everything else. The phone is just in the pocket. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Yeah. It's just is like the cameras are great, but they're just like too expensive, too cumbersome. Like you sling you sling that little Fuji around on your back, and then you turn around and it just cracks one of the kids in the head. Or <laughs> it's like I I I love it, but. Do you know what it's best for when you're out with older family members? If you're in the pub or something, or with someone's birthday, and you're shooting on a, a really high ISO, mm-hmm. and a, like a nice shallow depth of field, it's amazing for black and white portraits. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. The, the Fuji is that's yeah. my that's that's when I'm in my element with it. But ninety nine percent of the time, I use my iPhone okay. for snapping. Half the stuff on my Instagram account is on my iPhone. Interesting. Interesting, yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, okay, and the final question I have is a VSP stands for very solid product. Product you put your name uh, to if you could, you won't leave home yeah. without it. What is it? Recently, recently, it's a, a Samsung T5 SSD portable hard drive. Is my uh, it just makes everything much quicker, mm-hmm. really light, reliable, mm. really super fast, and uh, yeah, I love it as a as a bit of kit, like. I could name card card readers or I could name cameras or tripods or whatever, but everything goes on that hard drive. Yeah. And it's so, it's so light, it's so portable, it's so reliable as well because it's SSD. So yeah, no, that's a that's a good VSP. So it's the Dylan Madden yeah. SSD, yeah. That's the new name for it. The yeah, the, the one terabyte Dylan Madden SSD. No, it's it's a great bit of kit. And like if you're shooting videos or something, you can just attach it to your camera and and just stick it on top. Yeah. If you're hot shoe with a bit of sticky tape or something, it's like it's the same size as a as a credit card. It's it's a lot thicker than a credit card, but it's in it's like it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And they're very good value as well. Yeah. Highly like recommend it. one. I like it. Yeah, good one. Good one. So yeah, Dylan, we're uh, we're almost done, man. The only final things for me to ask you, I suppose, really is what's next for you. So, you know, what's coming up next? What are you looking forward to? What are you doing next? I know you mentioned earlier about the different things that you're doing with web and such like that. So yeah, what's up next? Yeah, I'm really trying to. I'm really trying to um, promote my web business. So, as I said, I do web development, um, e-commerce, e-commerce websites, and regular websites. But like, I kind of specialize now in um, stock integration as well. Okay. Okay. So, in- integrating people's e-commerce site with their in-store EPOS systems, and then uh, the the thing about it is, I, sh- I I can do everything. So, I make the website. I've got a, I've got a background in design. Mm-hmm. So I know how to make them look nice. I can shoot. I shoot all the stuff for the websites as well. I've got a background in obviously taking pictures, and then yeah. I've also got a background in making the pictures look nice with my post production. So I've just I've I've just come up with the idea, or just thought like why not why why not just encompass everything into one single package where you can come, you can get your website made, I can do your integration, I can do all your pictures for you, and I can offer you a really high end product. So. Uh, before the shit hit the fan with COVID, uh, you can have a look at uh, Can.ie, which is one the late, the last one that I actually did. Okay. Um, which is a really nice, really nice website, really nice people to work with, and again, it's fully, fully integrated with their in-store system. And um, I shot ninety percent of the the stuff on there. Nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, it's really cool, really cool, really nice, really nice stuff to work on as well. Yeah, um, nice. Because it's 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 highly creative 
because you're 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 bringing it to life from nothing which is which is something that i really love so like it's basically you've got all the raw elements there and you actually put together something that is functional looks nice and is 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 an is a leg or an arm to someone else's business it just gives them a leg up to actually generate more money which is really nice as well so absolutely yeah Yeah. Yeah, armors and uppers with that yeah it's a full 360 i suppose really you know like from concept you know to creation to images to design to actual making it, putting in the e-commerce, one-stop shop effectively, where, you know, you know that if somebody's looking for it, they're not dealing with a big agency and multitude of people that can get different visions. You can have everything all encompassing one. So no, look, it's really, really good. And I mean, like I said, yeah. you know, I mean, people will be able to look at your work. Actually, how can people see your work and how can people reach out and make contact with you? Uh, in, Instagram is fairly straightforward for most people. So my handle on Instagram is Dylan underscore Madden 80. It's D-Y-L-A-N underscore Madden, M-A-D-D-E-N 80. Okay. Uh, alternatively, uh, I can be found at DylanMadden.ie. And there you'll be able to find my web development projects as well as my my photography stuff as well. So Savage. yeah, hit, hit me up on either platform. So I'd be happy to chat to anybody. Brilliant. Dylan, thanks a million, man. I really enjoyed the insight into your photography journey. And again, like I say, you know, uh, the, the whole retouching side of things is fascinating for me because the work that you've seen, that work I've seen you output is incredible. So yeah, look, thanks a million for coming on to the Irish Photography Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it anyway. You've survived it anyway with me, yeah? <laughs> thanks, man. Really, really, really do appreciate you having me on, Darren. It's great to see you again, actually. It's been a while. So uh, yeah, thank you, everybody. And uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to me. Uh, I hope I didn't waffle on too much. No, you didn't. <laughs> but you didn't. All right, listen, look, thanks a million, Dylan. And from me in Cork to you in Dublin, until I eventually meet you in the, in the flesh, Shlanga Fall. Hey, guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, We'll see you next week, and remember, keep shooting.